0: Good morning again. So in the past four weeks, we've been working, going through this series, A New Heart, as we've been digging through the book of Ezekiel. And way back in chapter 1 of Ezekiel, we saw the very first vision. And if you remember, that vision was the glory of God. It was the glory of God, and God appeared to Ezekiel in this extraordinarily, you know, flying, flaming chariot. It had four odd wheels. It had the four creatures that had four different faces. And we talked about, as we go through this life, how we as Christians need to use those four faces in everyday life. You know, there's times we need to be the eagle, but there's also times we need to be an ox, and that we need to continue to move forward. And you know, this vision was so overwhelming for Ezekiel that he actually went seven years unable to speak. He wasn't able to speak and he had to act out. As he was showing the sins of the nation of Israel, he had to act them out because he actually couldn't speak. So much of, uh, his, much of Ezekiel's actual ministry was the describing of the sinfulness and the eventual fall of Jerusalem, which we saw last week. Now, of course, later in his ministry, Ezekiel began to preach a message of hope from Babylon. And as we've been going through this message, you know, at the very beginning, I talked about in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, that it was the reason I named this series what it is. And in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And that's been the prayer throughout this that God would give us that new heart. And as we've looked at all the sin and the different things that Israel has done, we've been able to look into our own lives and see how we've been doing the same thing how we could actually say we're just like they were in the time of Ezekiel. So today, and as you start to get to the end of Ezekiel, it starts to become that message of hope. And that's what we're going to see today is some hope. We'll see it today, and we'll definitely see the blessing in Ezekiel next week. But this week we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up to Ezekiel 37. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew uh, in front of you. You can go ahead and use that one. Uh, As a reminder, it will also be up on the screen. And if you watch it online, we'll have it up on the bottom of the screen also. And if you watch it online, thank you for being here. Let's give it up for those watching online today. Thank you for joining us online. Just a reminder, hey, as much as we appreciate you being here online with us, Don't let it replace you being connected to a local church. So I encourage you always be connected with a local church, whether it's here or someplace else, but we're glad you're here. Thank you very much. So let's go ahead and read Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put, I will put sinews sin on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a suddenly, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked at the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and As he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we open. ask you to just open up our eyes and our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive today, Lord. And Lord, may my words be yours, and may they bring glory to your name as we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Okay. <clears throat> so Ezekiel's in a valley. Now, we don't know if it's a literal valley, if it's literal or maybe just in his vision, but he's inside this valley, and the valley is covered with a deep layer of dry bones. And as though basically like an army had been slaughtered. Now, as I did different research, there's a lot of different people who say, well, it's this valley where the Israelites fought, you know, the Babylonians, or it's this valley where they fought this person. So there's a lot of difference on what valley they're referring to, but ultimately an army was destroyed. An army was destroyed, they were massacred, and really if you look at it, this is a picture of Israel. This is a picture of Israel during that time. They're dead, they're dismembered by defeat, and they're dispersed all over the place. You know, they've been taken into captivity, some were still inside Jerusalem, others were elsewhere. So imagine this scene, thousands of bones spread out across a valley floor. Just bones all over the place. You know, there's a skull here. There's a pile of finger bones over here. There's some thigh bones over here. You know, just spread out. You know, and you get that picture. It's really a bad shape to see these bones all over the place. They're scattered. You know, they're in disordered. And most importantly, they were dry. They were dry so they'd been there for a while. Birds don't even like dry bones. Dry bones are good for absolutely nothing at all. And I think it's a very good picture of the spiritually lost. You know, dry bones, it's people who are lost. It's, and I think dry bones really represent the world today. There are a lot of people in this world today that are just lost. They're the same way. You know, you look at the government, you look at politics, you, you look at the news. All we see is people broken. We see broken homes because of divorce. We see broken homes because of violence or poverty. And we still see human trafficking. We see people in the world today trying to take advantage of other people. And it happens all the time. And maybe it's someone who's sitting inside this room that's trying to take advantage of somebody else. It's part of what the world calls us and how we are. You know, when we've got people, they're scattered all over the place. They're disorganized. They're dismembered. You know, it's just, it's chaos. The same thing we see in this valley. The same picture we see of Israel during this time, we still see today. The world's in bad shape. You know, and you think about a valley of dry bones, there had to be a stench coming from it. There had to be a smell. Well, there's a nasty smell coming through this world right now that we see in this world. You know, it's interesting. I once had someone say, hey, pastor, can you pray for my son? He, he needs to accept Jesus. Like, yeah, no problem. I'll pray for your son. Well, he's a good boy, but he don't know Jesus. So I had to kind of break the news and say, well, you know, good's not going to get you to heaven. You may say he's good, but good's not going to get you to heaven. So he really isn't good. He's basically dead. You look in the world today, the world is basically dead. And they're dead. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. Jesus is what brings life. Jesus is what changes people's lives. And people who don't know Jesus, as much as they say, well, I'm good and I do the right thing, they are still spiritually dead because they're without Jesus. Without Christ, people are dead. You know, and you hear a lot of people say, oh, well, we have a good politician. There's no such thing as a good politician. We need politicians who believe in Jesus Christ. And we need politicians who are going to put good men around them to build them up in what God's word says. That's what we need. We don't need what we got. We don't need what we had. We need godly men and godly women running this country. We don't need good people. We need godly people running this country. And maybe we can change that. Maybe we can affect that change. You know, you look at it, people are scattered, they're disorganized, and it's, it's just crazy in this world. This world is lost. And we have the ability to help this lost world. And you might say, well, Pastor, how are we going to do that? How are we going to minister to the lost? Well, you think, I think ministry is seeing what makes God cry and make it make us cry. When we see sin that hurts God, It needs to hurt us. But the problem is out there in the world, anything that's good they say is bad, and anything that is bad they say is good. If you go up and you preach Christ crucified, they think you're crazy. They look at you like you're crazy. We need to be able to affect that change and make whatever it is that hurts God hurt us. Not as the world sees it, but as God's word sees it. I think that ministry is also trusting God even when the situation looks impossible. We have to trust God even with the impossible. And I think it's interesting here God says to Ezekiel son of man can these bones live? Now this is God asking Ezekiel this. And I think Ezekiel had very little faith in his reply. And I think a lot of us reply that same way today. Oh Lord you know, God knows I don't. And I think a lot of times we give that same answer today. Instead of being bold and trusting God in that situation, knowing that he's in control, instead of being bold in our answer, we go back to the, you know, Lord, I don't know. You know, and you think about it in the natural, your your situation may look hopeless, It may look hopeless in what you're doing. And you might question if a miracle can actually ever happen. And as you've been praying for time over something, you might even ask that question, you know. You <clears throat> Someone may say, hey, is there hope? And what are we going to say? I don't know. God knows, but I don't, I'm trusting in God. But do we really take that and do we really trust in God when we think something's impossible? Or do we sit back and do we just wait on God? Instead of being bold and moving forward, seeing what God is calling us to do. You know, in verse four, uh, verse 4 through 6, I think we really see that ministry is repeating what God says. And in these verses, God commands Ezekiel, Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live, then shall know that I am the Lord. So you see, even here there's hope for these dry bones. There's hope for these dry bones. And Ezekiel didn't know what to say to the dry bones, but God told him what to say. So he listened to what God had to say, and then he spoke the truth of God. We need to do the same thing. And how do we know how God speaks? We take time in his word. We take time in his word to listen to his truth, and then we speak his truth into other people's lives, just as he speaks truth into our own lives. So we see that Ezekiel prophesied, and he did what he was commanded. And as he was prophesying, all of a sudden there was this noise. There started to be a rattling, and the bones started to come together, you know. And as they continued to come together, it reminded me of, how many of you remember back in, you know, children's church, or even leading children's church, singing the song about Ezekiel and the dry bones? I remember it. I remember parts of, you know, Ezekiel connected them dry bones. Oh, hear the now hear the word of the Lord. And then it went on. You know, the toe bone's connected to the foot bone, and the foot bone's connected to the heel bone. Come on, sing along. Heel bone's connected to the ankle bone, the ankle to the leg bone. Y'all remember that, right? Oh, boy, I thought I was the only one. Wow. <laughs> And the worst thing is, as I'm writing this message, I just kept singing the song. I'm like, man, I need to get this song. I need to play other music to get the song out of my head because it was kind of stuck. And now some of you later today are going to be singing the song. Thank you, Pastor Ken. (laughs) But you see, there's still a problem, even with these bones coming together. And in verse 8, it says, Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Israel's survival and their revival was in the hands of God. It was in the hands of God. The situation was actually beyond human help. Humanly, Ezekiel couldn't do anything to help it. Only God could make these bleached and crumbling bones come to life by breathing breath into them so that they could rise up and form an army and restore them to their land and into their temple. And the Lord commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones and to tell them that God would reconstitute them into skeletons. And that's basically what they did. And then he clothed them back with muscles. He put flesh on them and that he would eventually put breath back into them. So these scattered bones came together. Imagine that scene. You're sitting there and it's like watching the zombie apocalypse. All of a sudden, all these bones start coming together and now they start getting tendons and flesh and you're like, this is crazy. And now you got this whole army standing in front of you like a bunch of zombies because they're not moving because that's all they were is like zombies. They were there, but they had no breath. They didn't have the breath of God to make them move. And you think about it even back in the, the beginning of creation, God breathes into Adam. He put that breath of life into us, into Adam and he puts it into us each and every day. You know, and I think that you really look at these zombies before the breath's put into them, I think it represents a lot of churches. I think it represents churches that they look organized, they look like they know what they're doing, but they're spiritually dead. They have no movement of the spirit inside them. And I think there's entire denominations like that. Organizationally, they look strong, but there's no spirit moving inside of them. I don't want to be one of them churches, and I don't want to be one of them denominations. We have to continue to do more. It's more, more than being organized and more than looking like you got things together. It's doing what God calls us to do and having that movement of God go through us. And I think many Christians um, look spiritually, you know, they look very spiritual in reality. You know, we see each other all the time. We see people who look, I'm holier than thou. And they walk that walk and they, or they talk to the talk and they don't walk the walk. We see it all the time. People are easy. It is easy to say, well, I'm a Christian. And then all of a sudden they do something you're like, oh, you're a Christian? And you wonder because they're not moving with the way the Spirit has called them to move. They're going through the motions but not actually doing what God calls them to do. And, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, you have all these different comedians out there. You might be a redneck if. You might be from Alabama if. Had to go there, sorry. Might be from Alabama if. (laughs) But you know, it's interesting. What if we went to Pastor Ken's, you might be a spiritual zombie if. So you might be a spiritual zombie if you're spiritually stagnated. Now think about this Dead bones don't, uh, dead bodies stink. The Dead Sea, if you've ever been to Israel, the Dead Sea has water come in, but no water ever leaves. So what happens is because it really doesn't refresh it becomes stagnant and there's a smell that comes with it and you think about it when stuff becomes stagnant it begins to stink so how many of us are probably spiritually stagnated we're kind of stuck with what we're at we're being fed but we're not letting anything out it's coming in but we're not giving it away to anybody else and I'll touch on that a little bit more but it's always about that receiving. And a lot of times what happens is these people who are spiritually stagnant, what they do is they've just been feeding in all the time and never feeding out. They're the ones who generally become most critical. They find fault with everything, but they're never pouring out into other people. They never pouring out, so they're just taking in. And then they take in, they kind of become stagnant, and this is what I'm going to do all the time. And they kind of... Don't give it out and they become critical of others and what other people are doing. Now, I think you might be a spiritual zombie if you were spiritually complacent. Ooh, complacency. You think about dead bodies don't move. Dead bodies are there. And these are the people who live in the comfort zone. And we all get caught doing that. We live in that comfort zone. Well, I'm comfortable right here, Pastor. And we don't want to move forward. They exist at a lower level than God has called them to be. We live at a lower level, and we don't use our spiritual gifts, we don't use our talents, or we don't use our abilities for what God has called us to do. We become complacent and going with the status quo. You know, some people may think, oh, we already have enough members of the church. We don't need anybody else in here. I know some of you have heard the old saying, it's us four and no more. It's not how God works. It's not how the kingdom works. And then they come up with excuses on why I'm not going to go witness to somebody or why I don't have compassion for somebody else because you're just kind of complacent because this is what it is. And then I think we have the spiritually barren. You think about this, dead bodies don't give birth. They don't birth new life. Churches that aren't saving the lost are spiritually barren churches. If we're not out there doing what God calls us to do, we are a spiritually barren church. And we don't have any spiritual children, and we don't continue to grow, and there's real no productivity in what we do. And as I was writing this, I got thinking about a story of some fishermen. They they went fishing, they went up to the lake, and when they got there, it started raining really bad they had real bad lightning and storms and they couldn't actually get to the lake so they were stuck in the cabin so about four days into the cabin they started arguing with each other they started bickering a little bit by the fifth day they were actually fighting with each other by the sixth day they were pulling each other's hair out and it really got me to thinking and sometimes I think church is the same way they start fighting and it's all because they sit still Churches are sitting still instead of going out and fishing. And what happens when you're stuck in a room with people for too long? You start bickering, you start fighting, you start doing different things. But what should we be doing? We should be out there fishing. Now, for all the fishermen in here, I know lightning is not your best friend, so you, you understand what I'm talking about, not going fishing when it's lightning. But we need to be fishers of men. We need to be fishing, and we need to be out there all the time. We need to not be stagnant. We need to not be complacent, and we need to not be spiritually barren. We need to continue to move with what God calls us to do. In verse 9, it goes on. It says, Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. You see, God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. He commanded him to bring the winds in. And you think about it, breath means wind as well as spirit. So he's basically calling him to bring the power of the Holy Spirit onto these bones. And Ezekiel summons the breath and inspires the dead, and a mighty army springs to life. And this is the power of God's word and his spirit. It can breathe life into us. It can breathe life into the spiritually dead. It can breathe life into the spiritually barren. But we have to accept that breath. God wants to breathe life into dead churches. Throughout the Bible, breath, as we know, is the Holy Spirit. God wants to see a movement of the Holy Spirit in his church. He wants to see us get up and he wants to see us move. He wants dry bones of a dry bone church to become an army that will stand up and fight for him, not just sit in the pews, not just be complacent, not just be satisfied. You think about it, God's army is full of power. God's army leads people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God's army takes over neighborhoods and counties and states and countries. Because when God's army is on the move, nothing can stop it. The problem is we get stuck just being here. I think God's army is full of purpose. They're committed to obeying the Great Commission. They're committed to doing what God's word calls them to do. They're obedient to what God's word says. And God's army is full of passion. Y'all love God? Do you really love God? Do you have that passion that comes up inside of you to do what God calls you to do? Every day? Ooh. How come all the yeses didn't come that quick? (laughs) We need to be excited to serve God. We need to be alive with him each and every day. Be ready to move forward with what he calls us to do. God wants every dry bone to live. He wants every dry bone to live. And if you're spiritually lost or you're spiritually dead, today is the day that you can come alive. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from the graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. See, we all have excuses. We all have excuses for not doing what God's called us to do. And unfortunately, all the excuses are generally pretty much the same. But we all have excuses for not doing what God called us to do. And we just get stagnant. We just get stagnant not doing what he's called us to do. You know, maybe you say, I've been doing this for a while, pastor, and, you know, it's time for someone else to do it. I'm tired. You may say, well, Pastor Ken, you know, it's not my job. It's not my job to go out into the neighborhoods and do all this. You know, I've done my share. You know, back in the day, I used to do Tuesday nights. You know, we did Tuesday night visitations. I led that committee back then. Well, that was like 1980. We're in 2021. (laughs) You know, but we all have excuses. We have excuses upon excuses upon excuses upon excuses. And then what do we have? We got I, 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 I. I gets in the way. Well, you know, pastor, I I really don't think I should talk to people about Jesus. Well, you know, pastor, I really don't want to offend somebody because of what they're doing. Well, I don't. Well, I should. Well, I don't. And I, I, I You get all these eyes in there. You know what happens when I start coming in? You push Jesus away. You push Jesus out of the way when you start bringing I into the conversation. And we do it all the time. We push Jesus out of the conversation when we start to worry about I, I, I. He has called us to go and make disciples of all nations. He has called us to love one another. He has called us to love our brothers as ourselves. He has called us to do this, and why don't we do it? Because I get in the way. Or but. But God. But God, I got this going on today. Or but God, I got this going on today. We all make too many excuses, and we stop the movement of God because we're more worried about ourselves. We're worried about our own personal gratification than what God has called us to do and all we become is dry bones. We're dry bones, and we're absolutely no good to God because we're dry bones spread out across the valley because we're not doing what God called us to do. We need him to breathe breath. We need his breath to revive us. We need his breath to make us want to move for him. We want to be so filled with that Holy Spirit that people see us coming. That people know what we're coming to do. That they know we are Jesus Christ followers and we're going to do everything God's word calls us to do. Now, can we do it all? No. One person, no. But collectively, oh yeah. Armies can do a lot of things. A lot more than an individual can do. But it takes all of us to do it. And I'll tell you right now, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, we've got to get that breath and we've got to move forward. Because as I'm talking about excuses, you know, one of the basic, biggest excuses right now, all of us use, we're allowing COVID-19 to be an excuse for us not to go out and talk to other people or invite people to church. We're using a pandemic to stop us. But yet we can do what we're supposed to do. We can wear a mask. We can stay six foot apart. And at six foot apart, I can still evangelize to people. At six foot apart, I can still invite people to come into church. I can invite people to know who my Jesus is from six foot away. But we're not doing it because, oh, it's COVID-19. I can't do that. It's time to step up and be bold for what God has called us to do and move. Don't let that mask stop you. Now, be smart about it. Don't run around with no, you know, be smart, sanitize, don't shake hands, don't hug people as much as you may want to. But you can still talk. You can still communicate to someone and show them the love of Jesus Christ from six foot away. But we're not doing it. Because we're afraid we might get COVID-19. We're afraid that soul might get upset because we're talking about Jesus. We're afraid because who knows why. Or you're so caught up in the eyes. Well, I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I, 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 I. Well, let me tell you, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. If you still have a breath coming through into your lungs, God's not done with you. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. God is not done. God can use every one of us wherever we're at and use our situation and take our mess and turn it into a message. But we got to allow him to do it. We've got to want to be an army for God. We've got to want to take this and move forward. Or do you just want to be complacent and do you just want to come to church and sit here and hear a message, go home and say, hey, that was a good message, pastor, thank you. And then do nothing at all. And I want to be so full of Jesus with skin on. I want to be so filled with the blood of Christ that as I go through and I'm walking, if I get bit by a mosquito, it flies away singing, God be praised. That's how much I want. And I hope each one of us want it. You know, we talked about doing what, this, what music calls us to do, how much it cost our sin to put Him on that cross. And then we come to church and we're complacent. We just come in and we sit and listen to a message, and then we go home and we just do life. I do me very well. I'm sure each one of you do you very well. But it's time that we need to do Jesus. We need to do what Jesus calls us to do. We need to let our faith be stronger than our fear so many times we get caught up in you know we look at from a human perspective of well can we do this instead of having that faith knowing that god's in control we try and control it ourselves we'll look at something well you know i can't afford this well we can't do this well you know i'm really not sure if i can do this You know, pastor, I'm not a good speaker, so I don't know if I can do this. Well, in every one of these situations, God's in control. But we try and micromanage God. We try and micromanage what God's doing instead of just letting God move. Because I do me, and you do you, and we let I get in the way. We let I get in the way of the movement of God. And we need to ensure that our faith is stronger than our fear. And when we see God moving, move with him. Be in the front of the army moving. God, I'm here with you. I'm going with you. This is where we're going. I'm going. And be all in. See, this country needs a revival. This church needs a revival. And you know where revival starts? Right in your own hearts. It starts with each one of you individually. Get that revival. Get that new breath inside of your heart. Let God just fill your lungs with his Holy Spirit and move forward with what he's called you to do. Don't fear it. Go with it. Be obedient to what he calls you to do. Know that if God's moving, you're not going to stop him anyways. If anything, he's just going to run you over and keep on going. And ultimately, one of the things I've always said is if if I don't do it, God's will is always going to get done. Whether I do it or somebody else. Because if I'm not obedient and I don't step up to do what God's called me to do, guess what? Someone else is going to. God will use someone else to fulfill his will. I want to be the one he uses. And I hope that you want to be the one he uses. Because each one of us can affect different people. A lot of us in here are old. And I'm here to tell you, even if you're only in your 30s, you're old. To the young you kids that are in here, just so you know, hey, someone who's 12, 13, 14 years old, 25 is old. Man, you're old. I must really be old. <laughs> but God can use each one of us where we're at. Whether it's in the classroom at a school, on a sports team in school, or whether it's in a retirement home. God can use us every place we're at. But we got to be obedient to what God calls us to be and know that he's not done with us. Until that day that we see him face to face, he is not done with us while we're here on earth. So we need to be obedient to that. So, of course, the question will be, will you start having the breath inside of you and will you start getting those new muscles and will you start getting that new heart and doing what God calls you to do? Being obedient to who he is. You see, God's in the business of raising the dead. Israel's going to rise again. There's no doubt about it. The God who brought creation into this world will restore this earth. And he's in the relationship business. God wants a personal relationship with everybody. He wants that personal relationship that you have with him to thrive. He wants to bring revival into your lives so that you can bring revival into the church of Jesus Christ and into this world. And as we revive this church and we continue to move forward, and I'm here to tell you, there will be people who don't want the revival and will end up leaving the church. I'm going to do what God calls me to do, and I hope you guys do too. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient to what God calls us to do. We're called to be obedient to God. God. Not someone on earth who's flesh and blood. We're called to be servants of the most high God. That's what we're called to do. So will you do it or not? Will you allow a new heart to come into you or will you just keep the old heart? Or will you just continue to be dry bones? As people walk across you and birds won't even eat you comes down to that relationship and how bad do you want it or how bad do you want to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ? And for some of you you may not know Jesus. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's when the work really starts. That's when it starts. That's when it's time time not to be complacent. That's when it's time to take the old self and put on that new self. And I know we all wish it would happen like that. Man, I accepted Jesus. I'm a new person. It's still a process. But that process means getting better and better each day. It means starting out each day and seeking God and what he wants you to do. Having faith in him, knowing that he's got it all figured out, even if you don't, and that your faith is bigger than your fear. And that when you see God moving in a movement of God, you want to jump all in and go with it and be part of that army of God. Be part of the army that is trying to restore this nation to what it should be, and that's a nation that seeks God, not a nation that's good but a nation that is God-fearing and God-honoring. And it starts right here. And it starts right here. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I will say that during this final song, you can come up front and we'll talk about it. We can have that time of prayer together. And maybe you've just been dry bones for too long. Maybe you've just been sitting there stagnant or complacent and not being obedient to what God calls you to be. Maybe you just need to come up here and leave it at the altar. You need to come up and, Pastor Ken, can you pray with me? During this final song, make that move. Be obedient to what God calls you to do. Don't be shy. We don't serve a God who's shy if you've got something inside of you that's stirring inside of you, that you, some sinful nature or something that you've been doing that you know is wrong, <clears throat> come up here and give it to God. Give it to God. Leave it here at this altar. And don't grab it back. Leave it where it's at. <clears throat> so, Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything you've done for us. And Lord, maybe someone in this room needs to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I just ask that you make them move, that they will truly accept you and do what you've called them to do. And maybe it's just a matter of they've been dry bones for so long, Lord, that they're just stagnant or complacent. Lord, I ask that you breathe into them and make them move again. Make them move and be on fire for you so they can affect change in their own lives and the lives around them. And Lord, I just ask that you have people be bold enough today to come up and make a move for you and that they will start that revival in their own hearts. Now I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.